as a culture changes from biblical to anti-biblical, the mindset of the faithful, don't answer me, just think about this. How many faithful do we have here this morning? You're full of faith. The mindset of the faithful must change from that which is status quo to that which is radical and revolutionary. here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on and joining in with us, and I trust the Lord's just going to bless you in a very real and meaningful way as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're continuing on with a series that we began some time ago, and I believe this is very, very significant in terms of the times in which we live. Now, I trust sometimes these messages sound very harsh, they sound very critical, sound very negative, and I don't mean them to be. My purpose is to help the members of the forever family of God, the body of Christ, to know and understand the, the Word, the Bible, and to come up to that. Uh, not the opposite, which is often the case. We try to bring the Word down to our level instead of allowing the Word to bring us up to its level. So I trust that you will be challenged and you will take this as it is. In the day and age when the majority of the persons around us are exuding or manifesting the attitude of the Ahabs and the Jezebels, then it behooves those of us who are followers of God to take on more the attitude and the, the mindset of an Elijah. And that's what this particular series deals with. We're going to jump right into it. Our text passage is 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll be reading a little bit of that as we get into the teaching. But uh, another passage that we may or may not get to in this particular setting, or sitting as the case might be, is from Philippians. And I want to read that as kind of a foundation before we are a good jumping off spot before we get going in this particular uh, segment of new life philippians chapter 3 if you have your bibles i encourage you to follow along if not uh, it will magically appear on the screen you can just read it right off there with me and the record puts it this way dear brothers and sisters and i'm in verse 17 if i didn't tell you that philippians 3 and 17 dear brothers and sisters pattern your lives after mine says paul and learn from those who follow our example Verse 18, for I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. I trust that's not you. If so, I trust that the Lord would help you to turn and to repent from that lifestyle and be more reflective of His Word. Let me pray for you. We're going to jump right into this. Father, I thank you for every person, every man, woman, boy, or girl that has turned us on or found us by whatever means. I pray in the name of Jesus that by your Word you would speak to our heart and bring us up to the level of your Word. Help us to make application of it in our own life. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. 
and amen. Well, you hang on. I'll be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. All I'm preaching this morning, if you want to jump up and shout right in the middle of it, you just help yourself. We're sharing with you part three of the series, part three of a part four series titled The Spirit of Elijah. I believe this is very, very important and sets the tone not only for our church fellowship, but for others that might uh, be able to hear this by other means in the days to come. Let me uh, just summarize parts one and two real quick like, and I'm going to try to stick with uh, my notes this morning, and uh, we'll get you through these uh, eight study notes so quicker to make your head swim. I introduced you to one of the many kings of ancient Israel. This particular one was named Ahab. Everybody say Ahab. In 1 Kings chapter 16, around verse 30, we read this, Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Look at the middle part of verse 31. We're told Ahab also married Jezebel. Now, Jezebel was a Baal worship. Jezebel, B-E-L, was a Baal, B-A-L, worshiper. Look at the latter part of verse 31. Ahab began to serve Baal and worship him. You understand what's going on? He wasn't worshiping Baal, but he hooked up with a Baal worshiper, and this will happen per near every time he started worshiping Baal. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not a good thing. Oh, you just don't know. Listen, I have said to you that Jezebel's demeanor and her behavior, watch this, when manifest in and through other persons, lends itself to what I'm calling the Jezebel spirit. The Jezebel spirit. According to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20, and this is number one on your study notes, Jezebel's sin was she misled persons into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Both of those things, both of those actions were repugnant to God. It wasn't pleasing to God at all. Now, I lift the, lifted the curtain just a little bit in part two, uh, just to, in order to give you just a little peek, just a slight peek into the atrocities of Baal. If you've been in church, you've been through Sunday school, vacation Bible school, heard the preacher preach at all, you probably heard Baal preached about at some point in time. Now, I desire uh, neither to speak too much about Baal and thus glorify Baal, nor to speak so forcefully about Baal that you get the idea that I'm just some kind of a slobbering, raving, crazy person. How many of you think I'm a crazy person? Just sit there and don't say a thing. <laughs> what I have felt impressed to impress upon you is that God has a much different, much better, much superior plan for you than Baalism. Okay, so we could talk about Baal from now on. Suffice it to say, God has a better plan for you. As born again, spirit-filled followers of Jesus, and that is exactly what God wants you to be, a born again, spirit-filled follower of Jesus as such. The Word, the Bible, 
is crystal clear about the attitudes and the actions that we are to put forth and what we should and should not tolerate. Now, bring that back up because Jezebel tolerated some things according to the Word of God, and God wasn't pleased with that. And the Word's real clear that we should not tolerate those things. I have said to you the past couple of weeks, this sounds very harsh. In fact, some of you may begin to do the math even as I say this, but I suggest to you that the majority of persons living in our country today, the majority of persons living in the United States of America today are indeed tolerating the spirit of Jezebel. Now, again, I know that's a strong statement, but I believe that. I ask on the heels of that, can we, I'm talking about the members of the forever family of God, can we, should we do anything about this? All those people are tolerating a Jezebel spirit. And if so, what should we do and how do we do it? Now, with that, I'm going to begin right now answering this question. This morning, I'm going to do that in kind of an odd way. But it's important for you to hear this background, to hear what's, uh, what I'm going to say to kind of set up the how and why, or basically the, the how-to next week. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Again, it's very, very important that you catch this. By God's design... Whose design? Pastor Terry's? Denomination? Congress? <laughs> By God's design, Elijah would confront Ahab and Jezebel over their idolatry or their engagement with Baal. He did not tolerate it. He didn't tolerate it. Now listen, that is a clue to what I am really trying to share with you. But I'm headed to number two on your study notes. I have felt impressed to help you see. I said this last week. I wanted to study note it this week. I have felt impressed to help you see in order for us. Again, I'm talking to the Jesus chasers. In order for us to survive, say survive. And thrive, say thrive. In today's Jezebel culture, where anti-God and anti-Christ teaching is not only tolerated, but it is condoned and it is promoted, we too are going to have to embrace an Elijah spirit. Again, if we wish to survive and thrive spiritually, we too are going to have to, to embrace an Elijah spirit, okay? I'm talking about, when I say spirit, I'm talking about the attitude of Elijah that will be beneficial to you, whoever you are, and it will be beneficial as far as the furtherance of the gospel of the kingdom. Let me ask you this morning, are you concerned about building the kingdom of God? Remember that prayer? Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Pray that all the time as children. I'm not sure we stop and think about what we're saying sometime. Kingdom building is important. And beloved, in order to be a kingdom builder, you're going to have to get a hold of some of these concepts I am teaching you right now. Amen? All righty. Listen, listen to this. Ahab and Jezebel's ministry. Everybody do this. 
Ahab and Jezebel's ministry of misleading prompted a great and terrible falling away among God's chosen people. You see, not all of their contemporaries were Elijah's. Not all of their contemporaries were Elijah's. In particular, the ones that fell away. There is a massive falling away. The preacher suggested last week, a massive falling away of the United States of America from its biblical foundation. I'm not offering that up for debate this morning. I just offer that up as an absolute truth. There is an outright war being foisted against biblical morality and faith. At the very root of this backsliding, everybody say backsliding. At the very root of this backsliding is corrupt leaders. And the church erupted and said, yes, get them, let's go stone them right now. Those corrupt leaders. And watch this, compliant, complacent followers. A vicious Circle, which come first, the chicken or the egg? And the answer to that is yes. By the way, did you know that not all persons, even in the organized church today, are Elijah's? Because they tolerate Jezebel. You with me? Don't take for granted just because there's a nice building with a little steeple thing and a cross on it and a sign that says church, that that's where God shows up. Because God isn't welcome in some of those places. How do I know that? Two things. First of all, they might read a little bit of this as they pick and choose a psalm here and there, but they don't really believe this because they don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only way to heaven, they just don't believe this, and they do not, if, if they ever do, they do not talk very much about Holy Spirit. You can say Holy Ghost if, you're, if you want to, if you want to use the King James Version, but they don't talk about that third person of the Trinity. And beloved, if you don't, are not talking about Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost, let me tell you something, you are not experiencing God in any of His fullness in this day and age. I'm just saying can we learn anything from their sins? Of course we can learn some things from their sins. You don't have to make all the mistakes there are. You can learn from other people's mistakes. That's wisdom. Listen to this. Now, I'm not there yet, so clicker don't get ahead of me, but I'm headed to number three. Let me set it up for you. Here's what happens when leaders are ungodly and unrighteous, even if they make claims of being godly and righteous. Let me give you a new catchphrase, a new buzzword for today, and it's the word devoted. Oh, they are devoted to a certain 
religious institution, devoted. Listen, Jezebel was devoted. She devoutly worshipped Baal. Now I said that to say this, beloved, being a devout member of a cult doesn't count for anything with God. The significant part of the equation is cult, not devout. Can you imagine with me? Any of you like apples? Good old apple. Boy, I had a good old apple this week. And when you don't eat much sugar and you get a hold of that apple, hmm, boy, I'm telling you, that thing is some kind of good. Only two words for an apple like that. Mm-mm. But can you imagine a good apple? Having a worm in it, a rot, you wouldn't say that's a good apple, would you? That's not a good apple at all. Can you imagine just saying something like, well, we'll just eat around that worm. Hey, listen, you don't know where that worm's been. They tunnel. I'll just eat around that rot. Hey, I've got a theory. There are way too many apples for that. Somebody say amen right there. What I'm saying Fill in number three with me. I I said, here's what happens when the leaders are ungodly and unrighteous. When there's a worm, when there's a rotten spot, the leanings of the leaders will become the leanings of the people. Okay? The leanings of the leaders will become the leanings of the people. Beloved, I want you, I totally trust that you'll understand this this morning. What a graphic image of that that apple, probably never get that thought out of your head. Worms and rot do not remain sedentary. They don't. Here's a case in point. And let me help you understand this. One of my mentors, one of my teachers is Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. He's written some tremendous books. I love to hear him speak. You've heard him speak here via uh, video, things of that nature. But uh, one of the books that he's re- released a couple of years ago is called The Paradigm. If you haven't read it, I would encourage you to. And The Oracle, which will give you a tremendous amount of Old Testament Hebrew history. But I'm going to be quoting from The Paradigm extensively over the next few moments. And I'll try to let you know when I'm doing that and when I'm not doing that. But here we go. Quote, with the rise of Ahab and Jezebel, the culture, everybody say culture. The culture's reigning worldview and principle was no longer biblical faith, but paganism and pagan practices became its code of morality, end quote. Now, I want you to understand, during the reign of King David, remember King David the psalmist? He wrote, gave us a lot of the psalms. He was a man that chased after the heart of God, he wanted to do God's bidding. His flesh failed him so many times, but he chased after the heart of God. During his reign, Israel's culture was one of faith and belief in the system of worship designed and purposed by God. They were not perfect by any stretch, but the culture was purposed to strive to be perfect. Does that make sense? They were striving to be perfect. Conversely, during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel, Israel's culture, say culture, 
Israel's culture devolved into one of outright disdain for the things of God. In other words, as we've taught you so many times, they exchanged the truth of God for what, church? A lie. They exchanged the truth for a lie. Suffice it to say, a preacher of God's word would have been welcomed by the culture of David's day. They would have applauded that. But that's not true with regards to the culture of Elijah's day. Are you with me on those two characters? You following me? This is important. Quoting Khan. In the days of David, scriptural faith is a cultural phenomenon as it is largely joined to, watch this, and one with the nation's Culture. It is established and part of the status quo, end quote. I could say it this way, perhaps to help you understand this a little better. We could say that there was no separation of God and the nation, of God and the state, as we may, we may say it today. Actually, Israel was under a theocracy. Their government was God and God's spokesperson. Does that make sense? Coming back to Mr. Khan, but in the days of Elijah, scriptural faith is not a cultural phenomenon. It becomes instead a counter-cultural phenomenon. It is disestablished, and it is not part of the status quo, watch this, but is radical and revolutionary, end quote. Fill in number four with me on your study notes. Beloved, in the days when a culture is reflective of the likes of Ahab and Jezebel, then that behooves the people of God, the born-again, spirit-filled people of God, to be more reflective of the likes of Elijah. You see where I'm going with this? You see how God's put this little puzzle together? As a culture changes from biblical to anti-biblical. Watch this. It's important you understand what I'm saying. I'm not just talking about someone saying, I do not accept that their Bible that you do, but you are welcome to your view that it is the Word of God, but I do not, I do not look at it that way. Beloved, today, we live in a culture It doesn't just go to that extent, but they would say to you, uh, actually, they, our culture has a disdain for the Word of God. And they would say to you, I hate it, and I hate you because you love it. You are my enemy because you love the Word of God. Just parenthetically, heard a preacher preaching this week that he had, had received. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. And, uh, and let me do so. Let me try to close tonight by reiterating uh, this quote from Jonathan Kahn. I'm going to read it so that I'll get it. I have a difficult time uh, remembering some of these things these days. But he says this quote, as a culture changes from biblical 
to anti-biblical, and our culture has turned from biblical values, and that would mean that they're unbiblical. But he says, as in that case, the mindset of the faithful, and I trust I'm speaking to some faithful right now, the mindset of the faithful must change from that which is status quo to that which is radical and revolutionary. And not necessarily radical and revolutionary in the sense of shaking their fist in front of everybody or even carrying a... Uh, a sign, a protest sign, but in terms of the way we operate, the way we live, and the way we interact with the community and our fellow man, it's going to seem radical. As the world turns against the Bible, and you are living by the Bible, then it's going to put you at odds with them. Does that make sense? So we're going to have to kind of, you know, stand up a little bit. In fact, the New Testament tells us to put on the full armor of God, having done all to stand, that we can stand therefore to take a positive stand for the things of God. That's my plan, my purpose, my prayer actually for you. And that's why we bring you this teaching. I trust that you'll take courage by it. Now listen, I may be talking to someone, no doubt speaking to someone out there. You've never been born again. You've never been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And that is God's desire for you. It's not God's desire or purpose that any perish, but that all come to repentance I would encourage you right now, if you have never been born again, just to pray, repent of your sins, admit that you are a sinner, and ask God to forgive you, to lay those sins aside. Open up your heart's door and invite Him to come in by Holy Spirit and to dwell with you, to, to remove your sins and to take His rightful place on the throne room of your heart. Then begin to serve Him. And I encourage you to read your Bible. If you do not have a Bible, give us a call. There's some contact information on the screen. We'll get you one. I'm not kidding you. We'll get that to you, and we would love to do so. Read that Word. Get it not only in your head, but in your heart. Know it, understand it, and allow it to serve as the impetus or the force or the influence in your life as you follow after the things of God. Let me pray for you once again. Father, I thank you so much for each one listening. I pray specifically right now for that one that may be listening that's just prayed and they've asked you to be their Lord, their Savior, to forgive them of their sin and to establish them as your child. I trust that you would affirm and confirm to them over and again from the inside out that you have been faithful to do what you said you would do when we confess and repent and believe and receive you. We pray in Jesus' name. Lord, help us all to live that radical, revolutionary lifestyle in terms of perhaps going in an opposite direction, obviously an opposite direction from the world. Help us with that. It calls for strength and it calls for some determination. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And let me remind you of something very, very important before we jump off of here, and that is that uh, New Life has an in-person gathering Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek uh, services. We call that Family Ministries Night, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Listen, it's still very important. I understand the pandemic and being safe. Oh, I, I totally um, understand it. I'm a COVID survivor, so uh, we could talk about that. I understand that. But the church has still got to be the church. We've still got to come together. God told us to come together, and that for a reason. We need it. So I encourage you to come together with the body of Christ and continue to worship the Lord together as God has commanded us.
2. I've got to get out of here. My time is completely gone. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?